And boom, we're back for another episode of AlphaCast. I'm Mike Winter, and I'm here as always with the powerful and, and beautiful Dr. Bear Paul Lando uh, there in his lab that seems to be uh, growing every week. I feel like there's uh, new elements in your lab, Bear, and uh, uh, excited to learn more about that today. We're going to touch a little bit on your lab today. It's Actually, um, this is this is just a green screen behind me here. <laughs> Shh, don't, don't give away our secrets, Bear. <laughs> We're actually uh, in downtown Los Angeles this whole time, and people thought we were on the Smith River. Silly, <laughs> silly folks. Um, no, we are coming to you live and direct from the great state of Jefferson, where freedom still reigns supreme. And uh, it's just been a lovely, lovely weather. It's like in, getting to the end of October, and it's the, the Indian summer. Uh, we could use some rain, though. So uh, we're going to Ten do our rain dance. rain coming. Uh, early next week, 10 days of rain. Ah, beautiful, beautiful. Uh, yeah, and I you won't I, be saying that six months from now when you <laughs> haven't seen the sun for all that time. <laughs> I must say, I love our rainy season. I was telling a couple of folks last uh, at Music and Sky just how beautiful and lush it gets here uh, with the uh, flowing streams and waterfalls. And uh, when you're at the farm, when you step out on that balcony next door, uh, the views of the snow-capped mountains, and uh, which we used to have on our website, uh, and all that. We got to get some more media of that because it is my actually some of my favorite moments is the winter here uh, in the great uh, state of Jefferson up here in Del Norte County. Today, Bear and I are coming live and direct ourselves, no guest, uh, to dive deep into well the history of Alpha Vedic a bit. I thought we thought uh, Bear thought that uh, it would be great to give our audience a bit of context behind uh, what Alpha Vedic is, and I couldn't agree more. And also we'll dissect the neo-science agenda designed to impede mankind from living scientifically through applied resonance. I love that. I mean, at that, you just, we just kind of uh, uh, nailed what Alpha Vedic's all about there. So this is going to be a great talk. Um, we, uh, I just got, we didn't have AlphaCast last week. I was on the road down in Kuyama Valley doing Music and Sky. That was a fantastic event. Uh, I just want to give a shout out to all of the beautiful bodies and souls that were there from the Alpha Vedic community, especially. You know, it really is this community bear that makes Music and Sky so powerful. Obviously, Matt and Owen, partners that do it bring so much to the table. Love you guys and all of our other partners uh, that are heavily involved with putting on the event, uh, including the Cielos crew. But really, uh, I think it was very apparent what makes Music and Sky so unique and powerful and different is the community and the um, really the resonance that comes with everybody showing up uh, from the Alpha Vedic podcast. I mean, I can't tell you how many people, Bear, came up to me and told told us uh, uh, how much effect you have and this podcast has had on their lives. It was really quite profound to be there in person with so many souls from all over the country that listen to the show. We had people come from as far as Maine, Vermont, Florida, Georgia, Colorado, uh, uh, where else? So we had people come from Hawaii, of course. In fact, I've got a bar of chocolate for you here, Bear, from no. the great... Uh, from Hawaii that I will you be doing. better not eat it. And look at that. My, uh, my camera just went out on me. So give me a second to figure that out. That is odd. Um, I will reset that. 
But uh, yeah, it's uh, it was just an amazing, amazing experience to be in the per in person with all you lovely people out there that listen to our show, and uh, to really have that sort of um, uh, verification or that validation of what we're doing here, Bear. So I thank you guys from the bottom of my heart uh, for everybody who came out and supported us uh, by buying a ticket and being there. And I know. Uh, the the um, reviews are coming in and people have had profound experiences. So thank you so much. Um, I'm going to go ahead and just switch to FaceTime uh, my regular camera here, I guess. Yeah, uh, there's uh, I want to hear more about it. And I know the audience would like to hear some more about some of the guests and what happened there. But it's true. You know, when people people gather um, in proximity to each other, there's a whole exchange that's hard to duplicate online. Uh, you can look into people's eyes. You can, you know, feel the the energy from each other. You know, you can really network more effectively, and uh, you know, really create bonds that last a lot longer than when we're just chatting to each other online. I mean, this is a great way what we're doing here. But uh, someday, I look forward to getting down there. And we're, you know, Alpha Veda Care at the farm. Uh, we're really making great strides in, in expanding our infrastructure as well as the help we have on site. So Deb and I will actually uh, be able to hit the road someday soon here and yeah. uh, join you down there. Yeah. And and also, you know, bring your talents like it would be cool to, you know, I always had this vision when I was doing uh, when I did the other festival in Santa Barbara to have uh, you guys come a little early and do like a, a an installation of sort of a and this is maybe a little too much work but have deb you know do a little installation where we show sort of a trellised jiaogu lawn or like how we how we um do permaculture or something where people can walk through a little garden and experience uh maybe uh one version of sort of a setup for a garden bed or something and how you do your you know a ge uh sort of geometrical shapes and i mean maybe that's a little too intense but to have your guys presence there obviously would be massive now and, you know uh, that's actually a good idea and we could do something like that easily we could do um you know some of the things we do here on the farm and and show people how you can test uh, for orientation of the plants and and then you know create a resonance with objects around it in different shapes and numbers and then retest the plant you know that you're putting in the center of it and then see how the energy of the plant changes as well so uh yeah it's fun stuff and uh you know here in our expansion uh, with our little business center, we're also creating a, a glamping site back in the meadow there, you know, where the bears hang out and steal all our blackberries. And uh, <laughs> but we'll have a fence around it. We're going to have a new trellis area. So the glamping area. Oh, geez. Yeah, why do they always fall? Goodness. Hey, they love you. Yeah. That's probably an archon. Go ahead and send yeah. uh, Send okay. a voice so now. anyway, people will be able to uh, glamp, you know, right in the middle of the trellises and it'd be kind of fun. So, uh, yeah, dude, good idea, well, but go on. Well, people, uh, so EW is like, I'd love to come do the woofer thing at Bears and drive back and forth like a gypsy across the country, spreading something for Alpha Vedic meetups, et cetera. We are getting there, guys. We're getting there. Mark Giver has been uh, really performing a lot of magic on the land. 
and with his skill sets. And uh, we will have the ability to, that is a focus, right, Bear, to have a woofer uh, program set up, an educational program, so people can come on land and help us. And of course, we give back to them through education and through uh, our, our resonant love and all that. So that is in the works, Bear. Yeah. And we're going to do our own version of the woofer where we want to do an exchange where, you know, we get uh, desperately needed help here, but also have people that really want to do it as a learning exchange. So it's not just somebody coming and hanging out and, you know, digging trenches or doing whatever we need here. But, you know, people that want to come maybe see, you know, what it takes to create their own little growing spot and, uh, you know, do all the things we do here. And uh, that being said, you know, Deb and I, as uh, I've mentioned a little bit, is we're launching a new video series. And we intended to do it earlier, but we thought it would be a good idea to wait till late fall here because we're right past the harvest. Uh, I'll show you a little camera shot here later. You know, we're just drawing in my de big dehydrator here in the lab, uh, you know, the last of our harvest. And uh, so we're going to get more into those creative things, including this video series. So just be short segments, you know, maybe five to 20 minutes the most where we're walking around and every day, not every day, but maybe once, twice a week, we'll, we'll, we'll uh, release these. And uh, every day will be a different topic and it will be related to what we actually do here in order to uh, go into preparation for the next season. Right now uh, we, we're, inundated with leaves you know from elm trees and all that but we don't just burn them or, or get rid of them we rake them up and then we take the mower you know we got big piles and we make mulch out of it so we'll be you know mulching the beds you know to protect them from winter uh temperatures and then also you know to create soil for the next year and uh, it'll take us right through the winter because we work all winter long it's a little bit different but that's a time we do a lot of indoor uh, creative work, but also outdoors, um, you know, creating more infrastructure. I'll be creating plant beds, you know, whenever the weather isn't too crazy, uh, building the new fence, which, uh, oh man, I got to start digging holes again, which is horrible through this river rock here. And uh, so, you know, for the new section, we're going to be doing an amazing amount of landscaping. The business center officially is inaugurating zone two. And we just uh, secured a guy that's really good with the tractor. So he's going to finish our pond, which is over in zone three. Then in the forest there, we're going to have uh, some more little quarters for people uh, behind the pond. And anyway, we've got five zones to go. Zone one here, we've been working on six years and we're about 80% done. So it's a lot of work here, but it'll be fun because people will just be able to look over our shoulder, see what we do through the seasons. Um, in the wintertime, late winter, we'll also be in the greenhouse propagating. Uh, I'm building a geothermal um, out by the new business center because it's in a good sunny spot for the winter, uh, gets the south exposure. I'm doing a geothermal uh, cold frame, so we'll be able to, you know, get seeds and starts and everything going and even, you know, grow edibles to get us through the, the winter here. And uh, then that'll take us into the actual green uh, or uh, planting, you know, at the beginning of the spring season, you know, all the things that we're starting late winter through the height of the summer. And then finally, you know, to what we just finished here, which is uh, late summer, early autumn, where we're actually picking things and processing them. So that's going to be kind of fun. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, you know, it's, 
it's quite an it's quite an adventure seeing where Alpha Vedic's come uh, to where we are now from where we started, and I'd love to go into that history a bit uh, and really. You know, it, I'm I'm very proud of us, of what we've done. I mean, we're a small family outfit and we've reached, I don't know how many people across the world. I mean, just seeing how many people came to Music in Sky from all over the country. Uh, and uh, it's, we've done a lot. We've done a lot with a small crew. And I think uh, as we've stressed before, Bear, um, this is a model that we hope is repeatable by everybody listening that's inspired by this. So you can go out and find what your passion is, what your creative drive is, and create a business around it that is sustainable, that is uh, uh, on the land, and that uh, will uh, help uh, benefit your family and friends, right? That's that's the model. Yeah, and, and we did it. You know, it's labor-intensive, but we brought a lot of experience to the game. It wasn't our first one. This is our fourth homesteading, uh, you know, project. Uh, so every time we learn a little bit more, we can talk a little bit. I want to hear more about music and sky, but so uh, we can talk a little bit later about the whole timeline of mm -hmm. what led us up to this point. And it's a lot, a lot of years. And we've of course got a lot of wonderful help. And uh, now we actually have a cohesive company on it, but it's not just for the exclusive um, purpose of conducting commerce, but to create the commerce as a real integral cog in the permaculture wheel so that you're not dependent on outside sources, grants uh, from any other thing other than generating uh, your own revenue to expand your own project. And then to show how people can do that, they can you know, be completely self-sufficient. Speaking of self-sufficient, uh, you're telling me about Larkin Rose, uh, who has <laughs> the uh, true self-sufficiency lifestyle that most of us, uh, you know, might have a hard time actually walking our talk to that level. So tell us a little bit, you know, maybe starting with him and then uh, some of the other guests that were there. Yeah. I really want to connect with the Anastasia people, Gabriel oh. Moore. Um, you know, I've been so busy and, and uh, you know, if anybody in those circles is listening, uh, and Gabriel, uh, you know, I really want to uh, get more involved with you guys. I love what you're doing. It's really kind of what we're doing too. And I'd like to really mesh with each other's projects and us get on board with you guys and be part of that larger, you know, international, um, you know, focus on creating these little two acre homesteads. We're hmm. bigger than two acres. But um, two acres is even easier for the average person to achieve than what we're doing here. So go ahead, Mike. I, I'm getting chills right now, Bear. I, my whole body is electrified because of just seeing how people are being attracted to the Kins Domain idea. And that's why um, after we had Gabriel and Wes on AlphaCast, I was called to, to invite them to Music and Sky because this is the future, right? Uh, and this is in perfect alignment with what you were just explaining about Alpha Vedic. And to have them out there uh, was really powerful. And I will touch on that and what happened also with the Organite we brought over from Mitch. I want to give a huge shout out to Mitch, the Orgone donor. He donated a quarter ton of Organite to the event. Sam, our buddy, went out, who's been at the farm and who's a dear friend, went all the way out to Arizona and picked it up and drove it back to the event. And I guess one, I'll, I'll get into Larkin in a second too, but I, I, I think I told you about this, but this is crazy. If you guys need any more uh, evidence or at least another tangent, uh, what's the word I want to say here? I guess it's not, I mean, direct scientific evidence, but um, this was an experience many people had related to the Organite. Um, that so we have the organite coming into the valley 
This is a dry valley in an uh, upper elevation in a high desert zone in, in what I call Southern California. I guess they call it Central California, but it's really Southern California to me in Santa Barbara County. Uh, very dry. So I get there Wednesday night and there's crazy puffy clouds everywhere coming over right over us. And it's cooled down. And before I know it, it starts misting on us. And then by midnight, well, that night we have thunder and lightning over the valley bear with insane thunder, lightning striking basically the land we're on, and then torrential downpour of rain. Did the black um, helicopter show up too? Uh, well, we'll get into that. <laughs> we had some... I didn't even told you this. I don't think I told you about all the weird stuff happened. UFOs, Teo had a vision of a figure. We had a sort of like a, what I call a dust circles instead of a crop circle happen. So lots of weird stuff happened. But um, that was crazy. So four in the morning, I come out of the trailer, wind blowing, torrential rain. It's tropical almost. It's warm out. Lightning striking. We're doing the count and it's like not even a second, you know, when you count after the lightning strike and the thunder. So right over us in the valley. And then this continues in through the morning into the day. We have rain coming here and there. It's like Hawaii style, you know, where it just kind of comes in and leaves. It was like this. The valley was healing. Kelly Rogan shows up with Alex Zach. They're in line, you know, in queue. And it's kind of a little chilly and rainy. And I'm like, Kelly, what's up? She's like, what is going on with this weather? I'm like, um, we uh, we brought all this organite in and it's raining. And she's like, you better get that stuff out of here. I came here to get in the pool and dance in the sun. <laughs> but um, it was really quite profound, Bear, uh, that as Sam was bringing the organite into California, I guess this whole weather pattern came in. And it wasn't just over us. It came in through the whole valley. Uh, people were were saying it came in by Ojai and in, off the coast and all that. So that was pretty cool, man. Like the people that uh, live there and work there were, were saying they've never seen anything like that before. Way cool. Yeah. So that's how we started. And then uh, actually our friend Josh Del Sol said he was having a dreams at that time too of thunder and lightning, which is very interesting. He was still up in Seattle and he was going through a whole process he talked about in his talk where he was purging and had migraines. So there was a massive energy vortex that was going on uh, with, with this event. And uh, we had some powerful people in. So Larkin and his beautiful partner, uh, wife, Amanda Rose, uh, were there. Uh, for those who know Larkin, he has been a stalwart um, uh, defender of the uh, voluntarist aesthetic and, and to the point where I, I forgot he had served time. You know, he served like a year in prison mm -hmm. or quote unquote. Tax I, I followed him for a long time. I yeah. read all his early books. He's done great uh, videos. Yeah, he's awesome. And uh, I share his voluntarism. If I had to put myself in a label box, you know, that's kind of closely where I reside. Yeah, yeah. And so it was very important for oh and and so to the to the credit of our partners Owen uh Colgan and Matt McMahon, who founded Music and Sky with myself, uh, and of course Alpha Vedic playing a major role in that. Um uh they saw the value in having Larkin there because we want to balance this sort of spiritual side with the grounded philosophy of something like voluntarism, because that is, uh, you know, core to the principles of freedom. And that's what this, you know, event's all about.
freedom and love and and community. So uh, we actually, you know, it booked him for an odd time. People thought Friday night uh, at I think it was ten or eleven at night because we want the kids were asleep, everyone could focus. It was kind of like prime time on the main stage. He was uh, and he had a captivated audience, and he comes out with my title of my talk is love is not the answer <laughs> it was really funny because you know we're at this like lovey-dovey kind of thing that in many people's respects you know we're, we're coming to heal and to hug so many hugs and uh i i opened it up saying hey you guys may be triggered by this talk but it's you know super important and he crushed it he crushed it because he really um put forth uh, an amazing argument, or, or not even an argument, but a logical thesis on why government is not justified ever, ever. And people were giving, and he's funny too. He's got this uh, sort of casualness about him. It's really funny. So he delivered a great talk. It was all of this is recorded, by the way. It's all going to be available. And man, Bear, I so his wife is lovely. They're going to come on Alpha Cast. We talked about it. Um, I want them to come up to the farm and hang with you and Deb. I, you guys will hit it off so, so well. Um, they're just real humans. Like, I mean, real men and women, living men and women that are just legit, like totally legit. Um, Larkin just sat at his table the whole weekend and sold his books. He was quite content sitting there and he was very approachable. So anybody could come up and talk to him. Um, he got in a spirited, sort of a spirited debate with the Q&A after the talk of a gentleman proposing uh, that the government is justified in some means and that it's the corporations. And there was a lot of misunderstanding, of course, what corporations are. And Larkin is a beast in, in, if you, in, in debates. Like I've never seen that guy lose a debate. So anybody trying to debate that dude, good luck. Um, but yeah, a beautiful soul. So, so lovely having them there. And then of course, I didn't know this, Amanda is a uh, semi-professional trapeze artist. So she had brought her silks with her, uh, which was amazing. Uh, she ended up hanging her silks in the wellness stage where all the kids were hanging out and doing workshops. And so she ended up guiding a bunch of young boys and girls uh, on their first uh, uh, sort of foray into trapeze and air, uh, you know, arts, the aerial arts. And so she was having a blast and she and Larkin both said, well, Larkin was funny. He said, Hey, I usually don't do the whole like click thing, like hanging out with, you know, in my, in like groups kind of thing. <laughs> um, but if I was to pick a group, this would be the one. So that was a huge testimonial to uh, what music and sky and what we're all about. And then Amanda, she, she said that, uh, you know, people have talked about have, doing this type of event, having this vision, building a community that's based in love and resonance, and also, you know, with the voluntarist aesthetic, nobody's really done it. You guys are doing it. So they're in, they're in. She's like, we're coming to all your events. We're going to actually try to support them too, uh, selling their books as an affiliate, really help them out. So I, it, it was such a pleasure having them there, Bear. Yeah, amazing. And, you know, Larkin is so correct. And I think the only um, distinction that needs to be made with his thesis is that uh, which government are you talking about? Uh, a local council uh, of a community, you know, that has representatives from that community that goes in and decides what to do, uh, gathers the resources of the community, including elbow grease funds, whatever it takes to, you know, fix a road or something. Um, it shouldn't even be called government because, of course, we know the true meaning of government, which is mind control. 
So which I uh, did, uh, which yeah. I did yell out to that guy who was trying to, to. You'll hear it in the recording. You hear me in the back going, "Government is mind control." Anyways, <laughs> yeah, you know, I I saw a great interview with Ron Paul. Uh, you know, it, you know, we have a history. We used to put on events way back in the day. They were overseas. We'd get in four or five thousand people, you know, in person, and we'd have amazing uh, guest speakers and and things that we offered there. Uh, one year we had Ron Paul before he was, uh, you know, Republican. He was just uh, an independent libertarian. And, uh, you know, great comment he made. I saw, you know, in later years when he was on a news show, he was arguing with somebody about the legitimacy of government. And the individual challenging uh, Ron said, well, you know, think about it on the way home, you know, when you're driving on roads that are built by the government. And Ron Paul said, oh, yeah, thanks for the warning. So, uh, you know, government... <laughs> Government doesn't give us anything. They have no authority. They don't produce anything. All they do is steal from us and give us minimal in return. And what they do give us usually doesn't work. It's overpriced. And, uh, you know, true government, if, if, if we could only find a different word for that, is supposed to start with us at the local level. There's no need ever for government. If we have uh, county and state militias, uh, for the unfortunate circumstance that we're invaded on our own borders, like we are right now presently, then you deal with that. However, if there's something happening somewhere else in the world, it's none of our business. Nobody has to come steal our money in order to pay for a war somewhere else. So obviously, it's it's so far astray that you know it's not even uh, resembling in any way a government by the people for the people and so forth. Uh, plus, so Larkin's uh, awesome. Plus Larkin the road is awesome. The roads thing, that's all done by private contractors. It's all, you know, it's it's in private enterprise. And then of course they love it because they get the bid the bid, the government, which is just it's just cronyism. And so it just leads to waste, it leads to crime, it leads to grift. Uh, where if you did have uh, a market, a free marketplace where people put in bids and competed for that job. Instead of having their brother who's the in a state legislator or who's in the county supervisor who, you know, slaps his back, hey, I got you the got you the job. And plus you're gonna, we're gonna pay you a ridiculous amount of money to build a bridge. Uh, you know, it's 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 so obvious. The people that argue the roads thing, I just like shake my head and they're like, Are you kidding me? That's uh brainwashing at its finest, you know, pay your fair share all this stuff i just get so cringed out when people say that so continue on michael yeah murray rothbard if you guys ever want to go deeper into that sort of stuff murray rothbard i love him he really uh is a fantastic explaining how the market fixes everything he even it was radical enough to say that the market should be that um that the oceans could be privatized <laughs> um so uh yeah so that was amazing and then to take to extrapolate this idea of leadership and governance, um, uh, Paula Pratt, our dear friend Paula Pratt, she stepped into her power at this event. She did. We did a two-part workshop, or really a, was supposed to be a three-part workshop, and it was a community uh, workshop where we had two big whiteboards, and she had this beautiful poster about um, sovereign. I called it so, sovereign somatics, or somatic sovereignty. Excuse me about using somatics and our and our innate ability through our bodies and innate intelligence to uh, be our own leader and to understand how people are triggered and how we are triggered and how to work through those triggerings so that we can get past the conflict 
find resolution and then lead ourselves, right? So she did this amazing workshop in the speakeasy and it was packed and she stood into her own power and she is now um, basically using this as a model, as a microcosm for where we can spread across the world. So we are developing leadership circles through Music in Sky. Uh, people um, uh, were basically volunteering to, to step into roles. And then we are setting up contracts, basically community contracts and how we can keep each other on point and hold each other accountable to self-lead and have self-directed leadership moving forward. And this isn't just for the event. This is for literally how we can take the, the themes and uh, the mentality out of the event into the real world. So how a we can- private membership by agreement uh, and all parties are aware of both sides of the agreement and you come to a mm -hmm. meeting of the minds. So I was really uh, happy to meet Paula. You know, she came up here for our I Am The Living yeah. Law workshop. So she's awesome. And uh, did she actually, now somatics, you know, typically means also um, using body movements in order to release those things. And if there's any notion within our consciousness that we have to do what we're told or that we're stifled or controlled on any level, then that has to relay into our musculoskeletal system and that will create symptoms. So uh, somatics, you know, I was involved in that uh, back in the original somatics group, uh, got back in the 70s. And, uh, you know, it, it works brilliantly. I do it myself to this day. And through those movements, you're constantly releasing these, these uh, control mechanisms that then come in and limit your health, limit your movement. And if a powerful spiritual being, as we all are as individuals, has uh, a creative stifling on any level, that is the beginning of all of what ails us. So we have to get rid of that. And uh, I wanna uh, talk to Paula more and, and see exactly how she's applying that. Paula did this really cool exercise where we, she went through a triggering um, example and we had us all triggered and we felt in our body that the, the sort of um, physical, uh, process of the triggering. So for me, every time I really get triggered, uh, you know, emotionally or whatnot, so something that I'm going through, um, it starts sort of, uh, in my shoulders, then kind of comes up into my face and then blows up through my head. Right. And so we were going through each individual's, um, sort of process of that physically feeling that, and then how we can ground that and recognize that and accept that. And uh, what was really cool, too, is we intertwine that with human design because Eurosimos and Sophie, who we've had on AlphaCast, who are, are beautiful, beautiful couple. They're in Topanga. They have been supporting Music in Sky uh, in a major way, and I love them dearly. Uh, we need to have them up here, Bear. You will, uh, in, in the person hanging out with these two, uh, are amazing. So we did that AlphaCast on human design and somatics with them, and they actually, we had them start. Uh, sort of they were like one of the first talks of music and sky this year on human design so that we could understand like okay you're a projector you're a manifesting generator this is how you deal with triggers this is how you deal with this stuff and so we can start to understand each other in a way that we can work with each other in a in this community and have you know some grace and um uh, uh you know a higher understanding of how each person is unique and different how we deal with this stuff so uh, it was really cool, man. Uh, yeah. 
And um, we'll cap off this talk today with a little bit about what living scientifically really means. And what you're describing with your Asimovs and Sophie is actually there's a science behind it, but you can't appreciate it, let alone apply it, unless you understand how things work. So we won't get too nerdy about it, but we'll definitely go into you know the whole technological realm, our place in it, and uh, how we can start living scientifically. And then, of course, the reason why we don't live scientifically at the moment, most of us, is because of what we call science and what now I'm turning the terming neoscience. I love that. Uh, yeah. Which, you know, prevents us from understanding ourselves and who we are. So, you know, we're we have such unfathomable power and it's really time for us to start acting like it uh, because, you know, we're at the culmination point now and if we don't then other people will continue doing all the things they're doing so it's really really important that we get together like you guys did we keep doing these things and uh just learn you know share yeah that's right go ahead you want uh, to say something uh to your point brandon here in the chat said my favorite part of music and sky was eating with friends around campfires so simple right can't describe how wonderful that feeling is the simple act of coming together in a meal, uh, whether you're, doesn't matter what you're eating. The food, by the way, was off the hook there. Uh, the chefs and the people putting on the food was really important to us. So thank you, Cielos. But yes, coming in person and in and having that sort of resonance together, uh, it was just so profound. Uh, we have Russell Anderson in the chat, Bear. We just did the primary water talk with he and and Chris, uh, Cosmic Sojourner, they were both there for the whole event. That was powerful. They did an amazing fireside chat the first night that I hosted and uh, really uh, had a captivated audience about the spiritual side of primary water. It wasn't just, just nuts and bolts, you know, where it is underneath the mantle and the transmutation. It was, we, they elevated the, the talk to uh, something that was quite profound. And it was in conjunction with the Emoto Institute's international water festival that started that night so russell led russell and cosmics led a, a a group up into the hillside to do a medicine wheel where they were the aim was to pull water primary water out of the ground because there was a connection in that area with an with, with ohi and the wheel and the uh um what's it called the fire the the what do you call it the ring of fire and that there is an old volcano there in Ojai. And that there is a, it's a magical land. There's actually a lot of Native American land where we were. So it was just all worked out and, and just perfectly. And so Russell in the chat right now, man, uh, thank you so much for bringing who you are and all of your decades of experience to the community. You were a major highlight. Uh, and I know you had a great time too. And thanks for all the wonderful words in the chat about the event. Uh, and we do have that medicine wheel still there. People are documenting it. I haven't checked to see if water is precipitated up or not. We need to double check on that again. The water comes up. We're, um, we're sending it to Japan Bear to have them test. The Emoto Institute wants to test it. So that's real science. Right? Absolutely. And uh, Russell, how you doing, buddy? Good to uh, see you out there. And thanks for showing up at the event. Uh, we look forward to talking to you more. I do, certainly. And, and hopefully maybe even seeing you up here someday. Um, 
You know, the water thing is huge. Well, next week we have George Wiseman on, who's going to talk about the fourth state of water, which is plasma state, you know, also known as Brown's gas and its implications for health. Uh, what uh, we will be doing here in, in this lab, and I have to start uh, in springtime, I'd like to do it now, but I need to collect uh, water in the first spring rains, uh, mm. uh, you know, when the, the uh, constellations are favoring Aries, because we need that new beginnings kind of energy. It's really important whether you're planting or collecting water or whatnot. But the whole purpose of our experiment, which I think is a real critical part of understanding what water is, you know, this primal water is, and everything that people like Russell understand, but also um, we have to understand that there are actually components to water and we're not just talking about hydrogens and oxygens. We're talking about elements that we would uh, appreciate more from an old um, kind of dissection of the ether, the levels of the ether, and what happens at each level of that ether. So when you collect rainwater in particular at a certain time, uh, right here in the lab, we can separate uh, the three attributes of water and then put it through some very elaborate processes. We talked about this a little bit when we were talking with Russell. And then we can also um, really test and demonstrate that each of those attributes, even though it's water that we started with, nothing added or subtracted, uh, it actually tests different and is a different thing and it can be used medicinally. Uh, so, you know, there's water as a living consciousness. And when you understand what makes up that consciousness, now you can separate those components on an energetic level. You can purify them, you can refine them, you can take. Um, you know, levels of components from the components where you end up with about 12 different, uh, you know, separate attributes of that water. Each one can be used in different medicinal ways. They can be tested. So I, I really want to do that. Uh, I want to have it chronicled and, and just, um, you know, documented so we can contribute something here to show that, no, there's much going on with water here that we can't even imagine. And when you appreciate uh, what we're talking about, then you're going to understand the work of people like Veda that are, you know, uh, finding forms and and things that you know imagery in in water because those elements uh, that living recording intelligence, you know, will pick up all those things and why it's so important when you're drinking a water or water of any kind, uh, and we'll talk about this a little bit later that you use different colors consciously to uh, project with your visualization into that water that will create any effect on your body or any level of your being that you wish. And that's what I want to finish off with today mm. and really develop further in our member section and also for future podcasts uh, so that we can really understand how to start living scientifically, not need any kind of medicines or even herbs or things. You know, we can all do it with our visualization if we can uh, really focus and be disciplined enough to hold that focus to create a particular qualitative aspect through color and create any change in our body, the substance we eat or drink. And uh, then you're really sovereign because you're not dependent on anything or anybody, even you're not even alternative medicine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, I so I brought my wa I brought our water with us. So I, I, <laughs> I took the water from the spring by the farm. Uh, I collect that in these big, you know, beautiful 
jugs and I took it with us. So we were drinking our water from here the whole time we were there. Um, it's so amazing that uh, people are waking up to this. There was a lot of talk about water over the weekend and uh, it, you know, the residents, the connect connection, the consciousness. So it was uh, so cool to see the four elements at play. We had the grand fire there uh which was a center point every night and this thing was massive we actually did a live podcast there because unfortunately ayla cuenca was going to come to talk about, about free free birding and, and sovereign birding and she 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 was she came down uh with some illness or she wasn't feeling good when she flew to la so she couldn't make it and so on the spur of the moment we decided to do a live podcast with alex Zek, chance garten who um, wants to come? We need to have on AlphaCast. The guy is just so next level. We've both been on his show, Bear, on Interverse. And also uh, Kelly Brogan, who was there. She 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 was like, I'll go on. So she wasn't even going to talk. She ended up joining this live podcast. And then the great Eileen McCusick, who is there, who fully embodies what it means to be a scientist. And um, it was a really cool live podcast chance kind of led it and he's such a pro and uh they we talked a lot about all the stuff we talk about here and it was around that fire though so it was like this beautiful element of the fire of course the air uh element because we're under the stars insane milky way over us or whatever we want to call that <laughs> uh the firmament glistening above us and um, the course had rained on us. We're talking about primary water and then grounding. I'm barefoot the whole weekend. Uh, the sand, the sandy ground was amazing. We're kind of in this high desert. So the four elements were very prevalent. And then the fifth element, spirit, ether, whatever, however you choose to define it, was quintessence. The quint it's the old term. I love that. That was what was connecting us all. And it was almost like we were psychic. Like when I needed something, I didn't have to get on the radio. I turn around and someone from the team is there. It was, it was, it was really quite cool on and how connected everything was and how seamless and effortless things were. Now I was working my ass off. People who were there can attest. Yes, I was on my one wheel running around it, going, you know, putting fires out. I mean, when you're doing an event, uh, there's a lot to do uh, to do. And also we had like I don't know. I don't want to say how many kids we were there. Were there? I don't know because it was hard to know because we didn't count anyone under four, under five. I would say forty five kids there at least. So it was a village. There was a lot of kids running around, which was awesome. Uh, but those were the highlights for me for music and sky. Uh, feel free to drop you know in the chat any other uh, empowering stuff. Oh, so my son Mateo had a vision the first night. He went up. So the, the location was like in this really cool small valley and it was ringed by these hills and mountains, the actual venue. So it was like a little hovel, if you will. And it protected us from the elements. So you could just quickly hike up to these hills and see the sunset. So Mateo was there early. We were there a day early. He had his mountain bike. He had the lay of the land. He was just crushing it. He was shadowing me. He was on the mic. He was dropping jokes. He was being little mini me on stage. He was having the time of his life. And Thursday night, he went up on top of the hill as the sun was setting and said he saw a figure floating, coming to him, floating like a Jesus-like figure. And then uh, he went to find someone to tell this person's up there floating and then couldn't find anybody, ran back up. The, the figure was gone and the sun was like 
making these motions, these moving motions in front of him. So he had this profound, like, uh, you know, visionary experience and he came running down. And the first person I believe he saw was uh, Chance Garten and uh, told Chance this. And then he found me and his eyes were like saucers. So it's, you know, Teo could be a storyteller, but that seemed like a very legit experience. We had multiple people see UFOs. Uh, um, uh, Edith's son, Kabrim, saw a UFO. Multiple adults saw literally hovering lights in the air, stuff flying over the valley. We had um, people's tents being uh, shaked and vibrating Saturday night. And then Sunday morning in the RV camp where it's all sand, there were these geodesic circles with this sort of Aztec looking geometrical patterns that were all the same that were probably, I don't know, 10 inches, 12 inches in diameter, everywhere, stamped into the sand, everywhere, within a probably a 100-foot square radius around where these people were camping, where I was camping. And there was these ladies that were there with Eileen McCusick that were half-jokingly saying we were trying to um, you know, uh, bring in some sort of alien or UFO because you're, we're looking out over this valley for forever and it's just stars. So they're like, oh, we could probably, you know, um, uh, intentionally bring in something from space or whatever. So there was something there. People took pictures of it. It was almost like a crop circle, but in the, in the, these in, imprints in the sand. And, we're, and I was trying to rationally think about what it could be, you know, was it a bottom of a bucket or something, but this would have to have been someone who was like a sociopath to go around and do this everywhere in perfect alignment. So it was something, um, a lot of witnesses to it. Uh, very interesting. I was thinking cymatics, maybe uh, a couple other people brought up cymatics. That was some kind of cymatic um, geometrical shape. Uh, but a lot of people saw it. Um, Gabriel Miguel and Wes came and looked at it. Uh, Eric Cassano, um, all the all the staff of Cielos were tripping out on it. So it was really interesting, dude. Yeah, you know, whenever you get out of the city lights, you see a lot of things in the sky. Where Deb and I sleep at night, we have an open view of the sky above us, and there's just an amazing amount of things going on up there. And a lot more than just Elon's helium balloons floating around. <laughs> so, um, and then of course, uh, when you get into the work of uh, uh, Trevor Constable and some of those folks, you know, they explain it's not like folks that are traveling here from far off Dogabaugh system in outer space or something. It's interdimensional travel. And uh, early on in, in my life, uh, working with other people, I had the same experience as Trevor where we learn how to communicate on those levels, also learn how to protect yourself because not everybody in, in those levels is, you know, plays nice. So you want to protect yourself, but there's a lot going on there. There's a lot of uh, beneficent beings that are working for us, waiting to catch our attention. And especially when a group of people uh, comes together and, and does it as a group, you know, it's very powerful. And then as far as shapes in the sand, there's no other, way it can happen other than through the principles of cymatics because that's what the law of creation uh you know how it works on every single level universally so you're just talking about resonance and obviously there must have been some kind of uh, uh conductance of a resonance that's creating those geometric forms so it shouldn't stretch anybody's imagination at this point how those things can occur it's very rudimentary these uh 
uh, kinds of understandings are available for all just uh, all across uh, YouTube, the internet, listening to people like ourselves. And that's what, you know, we really want to talk about here is that it's time that humanity wakes up and just really starts living scientifically and not just, uh, you know, hoping to see some phenomena now and then, but consciously create that phenomena. That's what we're here to learn how to do. One other point about this event that I really want to stress, and Kathy, who's in chat, who had an amazing experience, thank you for all the comments right now, Kathy. I know um, you had some, uh, she's saying she was visited by my ancestors in a vision in my tent on Saturday night. We had a lot of that um, sort of um, back and forth with people. We're having uh, visitations. Our, uh, there was a gal who was having some, you know, some some health issues when she was there and thought she'd have to leave. And uh, Owen actually took care of her, got her some body work or some healer attention. And then she said she had uh, archangels visit her in her tent and she had a profound life-changing experience where she's a different person now. This was happening to a lot of people at the event. This was a very sober event. So I want people to understand, like the the everyone was really kind of getting high on their own supply and off each other. Um, so it wasn't Burning Man. It was not Burning Man. In fact, we had uh, our friends Kent and Kimmy come from Santa Barbara, who did a bunch of installations who are burners, who have um, you know we were chatting later. He's like Kent was like, this is the first event, and not that he's a rager by any means, uh, but he's like, where I am having the a time of my life without any substance, and that was like a concurrent theme. And, you know, it's, it's, that was true with me too. Occasionally back in the day, I would drink alcohol or smoke a J or, you know, do other, you know, psychedelics, nothing. I was sober and I was high as I could be. I was flying off the vibrations of that land and of those people in the community. I played two DJ sets, stark sober. One of Friday night was the, one of the best DJ sets I've played in a decade. It was recorded. It will be put out. Um, in the speakeasy, which was a soundproof nightclub that could, it was amazing. They did a double insulation there. So you couldn't hear it outside, but inside it was beautiful sound system design. Uh, so I wanted to stress that to people who might, um, not really be aware of like sort of the aesthetic or the intentionality of this event. Yes. It, there is aspects of the party. We have live music. We have a lot of fun, but people there are, are, yes, people brought beers. It was, you know, obviously it's not like, you know, everyone's got their own thing. But for the most part, there was a lot of sobriety and a lot of intentionality and a lot of healing and a lot of um, high vibes off each other. And I think that's what makes this community so amazing. We were dancing late night, had a circle going in the club, people getting grooving out. And most people there were they weren't on drugs. They were just high on life. And I love that about this event. Sounds awesome. Um, okay, guys. Well, that was Music and Sky. Uh, you can go to musicandsky.com to get more information. We're going to be putting out all the talks and everything on the uh, platform that's launched. I'm wearing the, the new Music and Sky Soul Family Gathering sweatshirt, which you can order online. You can pre-order that. Uh, we'll have some more swag on there, too. Thank you guys so much for coming. Uh, and, uh, we, uh, will be doing, um, uh, announcing when the next event is. And then of course with Alpha Vedic, we have like our music, uh, excuse me, our mushroom workshop this weekend. Um, we were talking about this a little bit yesterday, bear in person mushrooms. Yes. Yes. This is a, this is a permaculture based, uh, food forest inoculation, right? Type of mushroom. Uh, this is <laughs> not magic mushrooms or anything like that. Um, uh, but the in-person events are at this time 
are so important. So it's uh, something we're focusing on at Alpha Vedic, obviously with Music and Sky, and then having just meetups and stuff, satellite meetups with people you've met at Music and Sky, so important with the Alpha Vedic community as well. We try to do those. So guys, get together in person uh, with the new Alpha Vedic platform that will allow us to, to meet each, see, find where we are in the world and meet up. And then also um, with the Music and Sky platform, community.musicandsky.com as well. Alex Zek has an idea there where um, we want to federate all these communities. I, I kind of came up with this idea too, where we have the Music and Sky community, the Devin Vrana big idea community, the <laughs> Alex Zek, the Way Forward community, the Alpha Beta community. They're all separate and, and sovereign, but to have a single site where we can all recommend each other, like join this, join this and be connected that way. And then also have a site uh, of kind of a friend finder idea where it's not using specific zip code in terms of it's not, you know, connecting you to the system where you're, you know, losing your privacy, but a way that we can find each other. We have to figure this out so that we can have more in-person connection because really so powerful to do that. What I really want to see uh, maybe at the next event, I us be able to pull it off we can get some folks to go man a tent down there maybe i'll even be there at the same time and uh we'll feature you know a whole kind of uh smoothie herbal tea uh elixir you know tonic elixir bar mm. badly badly needed your your uh, uh oh did i yeah you're you broke up there um obviously that's always been our plan. And as we're building up the infrastructure mm -hmm. here and the support, um, that would be a major hit. We did have a lot of people asking for us to have that there this, every year. So that would be huge to have, of course. And, yes. yeah. We're getting there. We're getting there. Unfortunately now, or, or not unfortunately, but it's just the way it is, is, uh, you know, I kind of maintain the infrastructure uh, more the brick and mortar side of our business so i have to stay here at the farm and we're right in the middle of harvest but you know again we're growing we're getting help uh, our infrastructure is expanding so we'll we'll be there definitely and you know our history tell me if i freeze up mike because i'm i'm noticing that's happening a lot now um you know the history of our company was based on um you know starting with deb and i you know, a long time ago, many decades ago, with just uh, these kind of creations, you know, in the world of nutrition, we started in sports, um, you know, uh, people that don't know my wife, Deb, she was um, the very first one in Marin County, you know, we lived out in uh, rural Marin County at the time, but she had a business uh, that was the first aerobics uh, exercise classes. And that kind of emanated from Marin and her and a partner, you know, were the first ones in that county. And then uh, uh, if you uh, ever, anybody ever remembers Est, you know, the the guy, what was his name? Um, Werner Earhart, mm. uh, uh, you know, took them on because he wanted to get into not just self-improvement, you know, like he was doing down at Esalon there, but he also wanted to get in the whole fitness craze. And Deb was at the beginning of that. At the meantime, uh, you know, I just uh, finished my football career and uh, was kind of a full-time dojo gym rat. And I also learned a lot just with nutrition by using my own body as a laboratory. So we simultaneously had a business uh, out of a health club, a gym, where we had a bar where we had uh, 
you know, people lined up behind the counter making drinks, multiple blenders going. So it was, it was like a big hit. And we were like the first ones out in those nutrition uh, kind of bar experiences. And now you see tonic bars all, all over the place. But we were doing that. That was back in the 70s uh, before Bryden was born. It's actually before we we're married. We we're still living in sin with each other. So um, anyway, we we did that. And, you know, that was uh, I was working in emergency medicine. I wasn't even alternative medicine, but it was all based on a whole athletic background. And uh, I had a nutritional consulting business. After that, we went into um, alternative medicine and the alternative medicine. Of course, I picked up all the tools of the trade of all the things I did all those years and that further grounded it in uh, with not just uh, nuts and bolts nutrition, but understanding, you know, with the bioterrain medicine and so forth. But over the years with clients, I noticed that there was not um, a sufficient foundational nutritional um, company out there, you know, that made really good stuff that was of the quality I needed. So I just started making custom blends for all my clients that would support the bioterrain uh, principles or protocols that I put people on. And uh, years later, when I finally, when we came back to the mainland and and I had my little uh, practice down in Santa Barbara there, people started asking me, well, hey, can you, you know, put this in bags and all that kind of thing? And so uh, that's what we did. And that became the first company that, and Mike, you were working with us back then. Uh, it's called Matol Valley Naturals. And then I wanted to take that to the next level. And that eventually became Alphavedic. That's where you, Brian, we decided to package that and make it into a commercial enterprise. But Alphavedic, uh, you know, that's how we started putting things in boxes and bottles and jars. And there's a lot more coming that, you know, we haven't even released yet. But the real um, uh, emphasis of Alphavedic is to be agricultural based and be a teaching platform. And through those years, uh, my wife also had two very large and successful plant nurseries. And she also had a landscaping business where she would apply what she, you know, sold and taught people through the nursery and do people's estates. She'd do little permaculture centers. She was already doing permaculture training, uh, you know, in more recent years. Uh, uh, you know, we did the formal permaculture certification, master gardener, all that, you know, just for kind of trim because we really didn't need to go in and formalize it, but we did. So uh, we've also, you know, right now in our Did Bear freeze up for you guys? That's a kind of a serious freeze. I don't know if that's me or Bear on the chat. Um, yeah, okay. Tell me where you lost uh, me. Um, back at the permaculture thing kind of with Deb. Yeah, so uh, anyway, all of that is what the foundation of Alpha Vedic is. is. It's really uh, what the company is. And that legitimizes what we're doing because we've been there. You know, we gathered information, we put that to practical application, got the experience, and that's how you gain knowledge. We just happen to have been doing it for a long time now. There's a lot of companies out there, everybody's selling things and talking about things, and that's fine. A lot of good folks. However, we just want to really let people know that we are here at this present state of, um, uh, you know, our offerings because we've done it. And we aren't just talking about it. So, you know, whether it's the products or, uh, you know, the workshops we do, we're just in it right now to pass on what we've experienced. 
So that's a little bit of a, the cliff note summary of Alpha Vedic and why we're doing, and we're just getting started now with, uh, you know, uh, Mike, with yourself and my son and other people that are joining forces, it's of course expanding. And that was, you know, my original concept, my vision was to be international because my clinic was always international and we want to make a very huge impact, not in a commercial sense so much, but so that we can really, uh, you know, serve the purpose of the higher agenda here. And we are undergoing a, an, an amazing shift on the planet. And it's, uh, you know, those of us that have kind of been trailblazers in the past, it's really incumbent to us to work with all the next generations and to really build this thing anew because everything is crumbling. That's not even a question. It's not when it's already happened. So, uh, you know, we're now building the new infrastructure and uh, that's pretty much, am I leaving anything out mm -hmm. there? With, uh, no, I just, and I just wish you brought some pictures in because you have some really cool pictures of that time when you guys were doing a smoothie bar and how awesome uh, you guys looked back then. I mean, you still look great now, but it really kind of sets the vibe of the seventies and how, you know, just vital and, and alive people were back then. And, yeah. you know, you, you got to really fit the perfect California surfer look too, but you were, you guys were doing it. Like, I mean, were smoothies even really known back then you guys had a smoothie bar. Was that, that was pretty cutting edge, huh? I think bear froze on this again. He might have to switch his modem. We'll see. Um, he's in the lab. So see there he yeah. is, there he is. There I, is. I lost a little bit of what you were saying oh I was just there. saying like you guys were doing that smoothie bar back in the 70s that was it's hard for us to even imagine how like that was really cutting edge back then it was it was and exercise classes and uh you know all that it, it was brand new and you know before we even did that uh you know we were following the original nature paths and reading all their books Paul C. Bragg all these kinds of guys Pavo Arola, you know, the, the real pioneers that, you know, lived before me. And then, um, you know, really an important part is that um, because I was taken under the wing of, in particular, two indigenous type healers, they were the real thing. They weren't new agers, they're real grounded folks, and really twisted my noodle as far as, you know, my understanding and uh, of the world, how it works and, and belief system. Uh, I was able to then put things within a different perceptual context. And that is also what, you know, led me into all the studies of Steiner and Walter Russell and really jumped in both feet with an understanding of waveform mechanics and applying what I learned in, you know, pre-med medical school and chemistry to what, you know, alchemy was really about as far as a complete chemistry, which is where I'm at here in my room. But, uh, you know, a, a a most important part. And uh, I'm just going through all this because Alpha Vedic isn't just about applied nutrition and growing herbs. And I mean, that's very important, but you know, we really understand the principles of resonance. And uh, Deb and I got involved with the original um, uh, St. Germain work way back before it became kind of new agey. And we we're with uh, some of the original folks that were still alive that walked and talked with the folks that were with St. Germain. And, you know, and, and we've had it proven to ourselves, but through the able to, uh, you know, apply those uh, teachings, the Ascended Master teachings, and it just fit perfectly with what the, the physicists like Russell uh, 
you know, Walter Russell were saying as far as how resonance works and everything we're talking about. And it wasn't just reading a book, it was actually practices and Deb and I doing it together every single day for about 35 years now, or actually more than that. And then observing that it's not just a think and grow rich uh, kind of gimmick. It's really uh, understanding how to discipline minds to emotions and, you know, focus in a way. And then you see magic happen. You just see it and we see it over and over and over and over again. And it works just like they teach you. And then it's consistent with um, all the principles of waveform mechanics, everything that, you know, Walt, um, uh, you know, Steiner talks about. So uh, we don't want to just um, confine our workshops and our offerings to, uh, you know, just that physical level, uh, because again, it's about us learning how to live scientifically. So when we did our first legal workshop, you know, recently up here at the farm, it was about I am the living law. It was about, okay, law and protecting yourself from the predators. It's not just about shuffling pieces of paper. It's about understanding how they do things so that you can really get in their mindset uh, enough to protect yourself and, you know, also have the right structure so that you can be left alone. But what really makes things is your understanding that Larkin Rose owns, which is, uh, I will not bow to anybody. Nobody has authority over me. Uh, government does really not exist. It's a fiction. It's not a living entity. And there are people, unfortunately, with guns that think they work for something legitimate. But if we are in the right resonant state and know how to focus our thoughts and align with those higher powers behind the scenes, we will not only be protected, but we will thrive and also create the world that we want to see. And in a nutshell, that is the history of Alpha Vedic. And uh, also at this point with the advent of the internet, because we didn't have it most of our life, we're able to network with people all over the world. And it's a very, very powerful thing. You had the living internet back then. And mm -hmm. uh, we're going back to that. It's funny, we've we've been able to use this digital zeros and ones binary internet to sort of remind us how important it is to have the living internet uh, as we're doing this mushrooms workshop right this weekend, which is really a testament to the living internet of the mycelium, which is a great analogy of how we're all connected. Um, and thinking about the science stuff too, I for one person I forgot very important about from Music and Sky was Alex Zek, who came out from... Austin, he really uh, crushed it on his talk. He did a talk on um, on science, uh, true science and logical fallacies and had a packed house in the middle of the day at a, at a festival about logical fallacies. And it really got into a, uh, interesting debates and concepts of like uh, uh, of morality and objective morality and how that, you know, is uh, a thing or not. Uh, and it got very philosophical and, uh, but it was, I just bring him up because he's 30 years old and he's really helping his generation see what true science is. And that's really what Alpha Vedic has always uh, been grounded by and what you do and what you practice through your medicine and, you know, for 40 years and everything is really applying the real science and not as you're saying this neo science. And it's very gratifying now because uh, Deb and I are seeing a whole new generation of folks. We don't pay attention to all the, the zombie apocalypse out there. You know, they're just making their choice. They want out. 
So they're taking all the offerings of the predators in, in order to take themselves out and go to sleep. They want the blue pill, fine, that's great. Actually, I should say the red pill because uh, uh, Tom Althouse actually said in his original yes. work, it was opposite, right? Yep. And that's yeah, interesting. Yeah. You know, there's some significance there as why they why they flip flop red into blue, just like in in uh, you know real waveform mechanics. You know, we always say, oh, the new baby, let's uh, you know buy pink for the uh, the little girl and everything. It's mm -hmm. actually the opposite. So they like to invert, uh, you know, confuse the polarities in in every single way. And it's uh, no mistake that they decided to make the, the red pill blue and the blue pill red, but. Um, yeah, yeah, there are enough people, uh, more than sufficient now, to overturn this whole thing and take our world back. And um, so, Mike, where do you want to go from here? Oh, just uh, a hilarious comment. Uh, a gentleman was saying that's a pretty awesome bong you have behind you there. It uh, is. And it I was, is. I was saying that's an ether bong. You just <laughs> so uh should I fire it up here? Yeah, dude. Just... Put four pounds of weed in it at once and torch it. Just uh basically hot box the entire forest there. <laughs> You'll have all the little animals like Anna's coming to you like Anastasia looking good, uh, bringing food. Um yeah, uh, we will get deeper uh, into what all of that lab equipment is as Bear really starts to kick off his video series. Might want to touch on that a little bit. You and Deb are going to be doing this off-grid elegance, which is actually going to be um, uh, chronicling your experience running an off-grid biodynamic farm in the middle of the forest as you see, uh, go through the seasons. Exactly. And, you know, what does it entail? What's it like living this kind of lifestyle where you have to provide for your own energy, provide for your own water, uh, provide your food, uh, you know, every aspect of your life? And the reason why we call it off-grid elegance. Oh, OK, I thought I lost you again. You're, you're good. OK, uh, we call it that because, you know, we notice a lot of great YouTubes out there that I like to watch, you know, people that are living off-grid. But a lot of them, unfortunately, are living in real harsh conditions and living pretty Spartan lifestyles and out there slopping the pigs in the mud and the snowstorm. And, uh, you know, that's not our lifestyle. Now, we are very labor intensive. So it's, you know, I, I get it. It's not for everybody, but we actually live very elegantly. If you come in our house, it's you know very nice. We have all the amenities and but, you know, we've spent many years getting here so that we could live in comfort but then also, uh, you know, not be encumbered by, you know, what you have to deal with when you live in civilization in the first place. It's actually well, the opposite of civilization. So it's kind of uh, humorous because uh, we didn't have power this morning. I'm on grid and whatever that means. Like I have electric, you know, electrical grid here uh, in our little town. And uh, we woke up to no power and noticed that it might not be on till six tonight. So I was going to jet over and do the podcast where you guys are at at the farm because you never have to worry about that. Yeah, exactly. And um, uh, you unless know, the sun, pitch, unless the sun goes out there. <laughs> well, you know, we have uh, options for that too. And we're yeah. also creating uh, some hydro alternatives. Our river is down in an embankment. So hydro, uh, hydro really wouldn't work well because we need a huge water wheel because it's a big river. It's not just a little trickle. So these little micro units wouldn't work. Uh, however, we are uh, finishing up our pond, 
and I'm going to create some uh, Schauberger flow so that we create a little current there with the water that can be transferred into an electrical current that's, you know, at the level of our operations here. Uh, we're going into a lot more passive water systems now uh, so that we don't have to, or just passive uh, technologies, period. So, you know, right now we pump water from the river, so it requires a generator and, you know, that's okay, whatever it takes. Uh, however, we have a, you know, a fairly large house. And so we're going to be doing a lot of rainwater collection and, mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, redoing our whole uh, system for gray water. And, you know, it, it takes a while, takes a few resources, but you learn a tremendous amount in the process. That's what we want people to see. And you don't have to do it at the scale we're doing. If Deb and I uh, weren't ambitious, uh, you know, in wanting to do what we're doing on a larger scale, we could have easily just disappeared a long time ago, got a little acre somewhere and a little tiny house and been completely self-sufficient, even easier. So we'll be, you know, we'll be talking about a lot of those things as well. We've had a couple requests of late to do an alternative energy show, AlphaCast. Mm -hmm. I think it would be pretty cool. Uh, uh, someone shared on our co-op on Patreon. Uh, a few books that I need to forward you. And I think uh, we are at that time now where we can really start to explore water as a means for generating power in ways that maybe are beyond or what Schauberger was talking about or even beyond uh, with this kind of fourth phase and um, stuff like cavitation, right? Uh, and piezoelectric forces. Uh, there seems like to me that we are on the cusp of a massive new energy revolution as we are in exiting the Piscean age and into uh, this new age, uh, which I personally believe we haven't entered yet. I believe we're still in the Piscean age. I don't think we entered the Aquarian age till the 2100s. But that being said, those are just arbitrary that's, years. Um, that's another discussion. Uh, if mm -hmm. you get into the... Um... Well, first, let's finish up the energy thing. Yep. It's been right under our nose all the time. And anybody that investigates the buildings, uh, you know, that exist throughout the world, the uh, cathedrals and, you know, just immense uh, uh, architectural wonders, uh, you know, that we attribute to uh, people that didn't have the means to build them and say that they built them while well, those that were, you know, around forever, uh, they also demonstrate with anybody that has eyes to see that they were huge electrical um, generators and they all used waterways around them. And of course they were all disconnected so that the, the next generations of people that used them for whatever other reasons and claimed ownership or building of them, you know, could just use them, you know, in a much more basic way. So, uh, and then you have all the, the new folks like the Walter Russells, like uh, uh, the Browns gas folks, you know, when, when, um, uh, you know, uh, they got into the Brown's gas, it wasn't originally uh, for health reasons. Uh, you know, that just came a little bit later. Uh, you know, George Wiseman was using it for uh, industrial purposes, you know, for uh, improving uh, gas mileage and, and understanding that, wow, all we need to run our cars on is water. So, yeah, all those things are there and all that is being brought out some of us are doing the best we can. At least number one is to be self-sufficient and have a measure of independence. <clears throat> I personally think solar, even though I use it and we have a, a very 
good solar system. I think it's very crude and I will enjoy the day where I just, you know, toss it and use my solar panels to create solar dryers for, you know, drying my herbs and things, <laughs> uh, you know, just repurpose them into other things, but, you know, to funnel the solar energy into batteries and store it. And, you know, I mean, that's really nonsense. We do it because, you know, it's, it's what we've got right now, but we're uh, well, actually quickly transitioning out of those tools, which are very apparent to us as archaic in the first place. So getting yeah. back to what age are we in? <clears throat> so if um, there's a lot of great folks, of course, that have put information out there, Steiner included, and uh, he has a much more elaborate way of explaining it, which is too much for us here now. But, um, you know, we just did, if Beth uh, Martins is still there, uh, she has a wonderful workshop, the House of Free Will, and she graciously invited me to uh, teach a class and so um, because they have a lot of uh, very knowledgeable people teaching as, uh, aspects of uh, how to protect yourself from lawfare, uh, I went in and did my <clears throat> a different version of what we did on our workshop up here with Marsha. And it's, uh, it was all about resonance and using that. So we went a little deeper into that aspect and we did even up here in our workshop and we got into the technology of the seven rays <clears throat> now too much again for this discussion but when you understand the technological realm and if you understand the seven rays uh which then funnel into the 12 constellations and from there into the sacred planets which are actually not balls of rock spinning around up there but plasma projectors that are projecting the resonance that you know uh, is originally generated at the hierarchy of intelligence through the, and and you know qualified through the seven rays and then conducted uh, or inducted I should say you know to stay true to how electrical systems work through the constellations and then through the seven sacred plasma screens we'll say uh, that then project us if we know how that works, and how that is uh, uh, replicated in our own biology, in the different levels, etheric levels of our being, then we can use our mind and discipline our emotions in order to create from scratch or to dissolve anything that's, you know, creating this off purpose in our life. So we went more into that and we applied it as best I could in a short time into the application of um you know combating warfare we'll say or lawfare mm -hmm. and so i'd really like to get into that more but the reason why i bring it up now is when you understand how these seven original uh attributes and aspects uh create all the qualitative um uh things that we experience here within creation you are able to observe a cycle a very real cycle and also understanding what each ray uh, projects to the earth and how it affects us, it will tell you exactly what cycle we're in. And it will also, I believe, and a lot of people, you know, have been at this longer than I have and it's come uh, done through the ages, we are already in the final cycle of transmutation. Mm -hmm. So it's not like we have to wait another thousand years. We're already there, but all we're seeing is the crumbling of the Piscean age which is uh, you know, a combination of the seven rays and coming out of the sixth ray, 
which is, uh, you, you know, without understanding exactly what that is, into the seventh ray cycle, which is the age of transmutation, where with that understanding, the use of our own inner faculties, being able to transmute any experience, any substance into anything we want, that is our prerogative. And it's also our privilege to do that. And it's our responsibility. So if we want to just play dumb and be here as hapless victims, uh, that's okay. That's a choice. But we're certainly not making things easier on ourselves. And we're certainly not doing our part or being responsible in changing the world that we live in. So the mm. seven rays, which have you know been taught for many uh, you know eons, is really the basic uh, understanding of physics that we all need to, you know, wrap our minds around so that we can start living scientifically. And on this, in this realm, we'll say, uh, there are seven solar systems or seven rays uh, for each of the seven rays. And Earth right now, we are seven ray cycle on the second ray. So the rays that we experience are actually sub-rays of the second ray. The second ray is the one of the rays of aspect. And this gets into, um, you know, just the, the trinity, we'll say. It gets into what alchemists understood as the mercury, you know, which is universal spirit, the soul, which is our individualization, and the embodiment, you know, that we on the ground experience in order to expand the soul that then expands universal consciousness with that awareness. So the first ray uh, of um, aspect is uh, the ray of will. That's like the father. That's like the mercury, uh, the universal intelligence. And then the second ray, uh, which is uh, love wisdom, you know, that was really embodied by the Christ. Uh, that then takes the idea of that initial will and then it orchestrates it through the mechanisms of the creation. And then the third aspect, which is as, uh, uh, active intelligence, then that actually becomes the intelligence of original idea implemented by the second ray. And then that's what we see in our bodies in the mineral kingdom and the plant kingdom, the animal kingdom, we're the fourth kingdom of nature, right in between the heavenly kingdoms and the kingdoms below. We're the very important mediary role. So what's important to take away from all that is that, um, you know, we're going through the sub ray, the seventh ray of transmutation, that we're only in the second ray on a larger scale. But that second ray is all about love, wisdom. And that's why the Nazarene's mission and uh, mission statement will say was so important. It's all about love, which is embodying the will of the creator into physical form and it happens through love and that's what you guys were all experiencing music and sky that's what is really hitting home on the feeling level for many of us right now and that is the uh, most amazing transmutational resonance is that universal love and we're not talking about a gooey kind of human concept of love you know peace love dove new agey stuff mm -hmm. we're talking about a very powerful resonance that is not passive at all it is the uh embodiment of that original will 
And it is, uh, you know, when you come into that level of resonance, that's where the powers that shouldn't be uh, will cease having their way. So uh, these are the things that we really want to expand on, but then put them into practical application, you know, with the different theories of, uh, or uh, practices with sound and light technologies. And that's also what we're developing here on the land where we will have sound chambers and things where we can, uh, you know, create the resonance that can immediately impact, you know, on the final embodiment level that we experience here on the ground, but also help people build that resonant connection. So there's a conscious link with where everything's coming from in the first place. Wow. That's beautiful. We're going to put that into a clip. I'll tell you that that was spot on. Uh, <laughs> that just, uh, yeah. Agape is the word that comes to me when I, when I think of the sort of, you know, powerful love, will force there actually pedro in the chat said that as well um and yeah that's that's where we're at uh it's interesting uh, on the sub rays you're talking about the sixth ray if you uh there's some work that's been done in uh, with looking at the bible and uh, revelations and the 666 isn't the mark of the beast the 666 is this um is essentially the numbers that project when piscean age ends piscean age supposedly started with the christ so if you times six, times six, times six, I think you get 216, 216. So 2160, some have said, is when the official Aquarian age starts. If you tie into the nonsense of a lot of what the calendar is supposed to be, we know the Gregorian calendar, a lot of that's been manipulated. But it is interesting when you factor in some of the numerology with the six and the 666, when you do the math, it does kind of uh, makes some sense to me that um, we are in, as you said, the fracturing, the, dis the the crumbling of the Piscean, which of course the Piscean age being collectivism, being looking towards authority, looking towards, um, uh, uh, you know, a religion versus uh, what I like to call in the Aquarian age, decentralized spirituality, where we are one, but we are completely individuated in our own consciousness. Yeah, and coming out of the sixth ray without connecting that to a different label like Piscean, you know, again, Piscean is one of the 12 constellations mm -hmm. that is in an inductor for that original resonance that comes from the seven ray level. And then further has to be, um, you know, uh, further inductance or modulation, we'll say, through the seven sacred planets. So um, when we're talking about Piscean or any of the astrological projections, we're really talking about just one layer and not appreciating, uh, you know, the, uh, you know, the original forces above and how those are further modulated by the time they hit us here on the ground. The, the sixth ray, what we are coming out of, if you just want to use, you know, that model mm -hmm. is... Uh, it, it, it would uh, kind of connote that idealism and um, tendency to be passionate about a certain ideology, um, which is also helps us understand why the religion of scientism is uh, really acting out the way it is right now, rather than understanding the fifth ray uh, you know, which is scientific investigation, where we are now allowing higher mind to penetrate lower mind. 
so that we can clearly understand on an authentic scientific level. Then when we go into that six ray next, and it doesn't happen just neatly sequential, but then the six ray brings in that overzealot kind of idealism tendency. You know, that would be the glamour. It doesn't mean that that's the, because these, uh, every ray has an ideal and it also has a glamour. Each one of us, in fact, patients that uh, I saw over the years, I always did a ray chart and you have the, the three parts of the personality, you have the personality, and I would do it through a certain geometry that projects a residence and through radiuses, you'd be able to test to see what ray quality was resonating more strongly because we're all different. So you have an overall ray personality that's affecting you. And then you have the, the three aspects of uh, personality. Each uh, one of us has a different ray in each one of those. And we have the monad above us, mm -hmm. uh, you know, more our, our divine spiritual self, the electronic body. There's a certain ray affecting that. And when you understand those things, uh, then I would apply it to more of a psychological understanding that, um, you know, really appreciated where that person was at, at the soul uh, level of the soul. And you could understand more than just hearing, you know, their story like a, a shrink would, you know, want to know about. Yeah. So uh, scientism now is they're zealots. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, they are acting out the glamour part rather than being true scientists. And then at the same time, you have people that are more into the glamour of different spiritual movements and, you know, uh, acting out more on that glamour level rather than understanding the true nature of spirituality and what it means on that scientific level sorry go ahead well two points one that also the glamour of the 20th century obviously we saw statism fascism communism the those like crazy ideologies right that people were attracted to makes so much sense and then russell anderson in the chat makes an interesting uh, connection here with the seven chakras the seven rays is there an interplay there um, say I lost you for a second. I heard. No worries. Russell Anderson in the chat uh -huh. uh, is making an interesting connection here, um, speaking to the Native Americans and how they were really grounded in their lower chakras, uh, as we know, um, discussed with when they were on the cast. But mm -hmm. is there an interplay between the seven rays and the seven chakras? Well, absolutely. The the seven chakras are, are regulators. So... Um, First, you have to understand in our brain structure, the sevenfold flame that is an identical replication or um, hologram, you know, fractal of the larger seven ray force is in our brain. And you've heard me talk about this, Michael, in our practices. One of the things you do is you understand what color is operating in all the different, uh, you know, seven ray replications within your brain structure. And also, if you understand the cosmic being that is associated with projecting, you know, they call them the seven Elohim, uh, you know, that sit upon the seven sacred thrones, you know, you talk about that in the Bible where, you know, so every part of creation, and this is just old fashioned hermeticism, is a replication of everything above and below. So when you understand consciously how to light those up with your visualization and call to those higher powers to be there resonating with you, you will literally feel your brain structure like somebody just created a wormhole in the outer space and you're seeing very clearly 
and you have a tremendous feeling of expansion through your brain structure at the same time, you know, you're really activating that optic thalamus between the pineal and the pituitary to really start arcing full time and, you know, conduct through the water again. But then at the same time, you, uh, you do uh, practice where you're um, using the heart, expanding that at the same time, but then merging them. So now your heart and your mind are uh, all operating, you know, as one single unit, the way they're originally intended. And you are taking advantage of all the different aspects and attributes of those seven rays within yourself. And that is what every ascended master, which have been tens of thousands of them through uh, history, not just one guy, uh, all did. They got this final instruction, put it to practice, and they will say, once you get these techniques, uh, once you entertain the possibility of these things happening in the first place, then that is when you have already consciously began your ascension. And yeah, these uh, three first... Uh, I was just trying to glance over there. I think Russell had a question about the Trinity. Uh, well, there was a question, uh, another question. I'll look in that. I was so keyed in on what you're saying there. I wasn't watching the chat because it's this is like so fascinating to me. And I've actually been sort of connecting with an ascended master that is really fitting my personality. It is interesting how these ascended masters, you know, and a lot of people listening to this may be rolling their eyes. What are they talking about? Well, there's a lot of foundational, not only history, but, uh, you know, science behind this, which we can go deeper into further shows. Um, but, um, you know, they each have a personality connected to a ray and a specific a role. Some have a specific role to play on this planet or in this realm as we speak. Uh, and it's really quite fascinating to me. I've been really uh, diving deeper into this this year and being called. And we actually have a number of people in our community that have been separate, not even like, you know, through us, but have been called by different ascended masters towards their life's, you know, their their mission on in this planet. Really, that's what it is. We have a, a soul's purpose here uh, to do a, to do a job. And uh, I love that about this. Um, uh this is kind of my go ahead, Bear. Well, I was gonna say, relative to the chakras, and now again, those are reflecting um those ray qualities, but then they're also regulators, like in an inductance sort of affair, that are channeling these energies to all the different organ systems, the 12 systems that now are gonna correlate with the you know, the constellations. Now you're back up at that level of integration uh, again where that would become useful to me and also uh, very useful if you're adept at using the resonance of colors and training your visualization, which anybody can do, is that when you're with, when I was with a client, whether I was doing acupuncture, osteopathy, testing, you know, looking at their blood, I was always uh, really cognizant of what was happening in those chakra centers, which anybody can train themselves to see. There's different levels of seeing. Um, you will be able to see hues and colorations, discolorations, uh, you know, if you really go there diligently, but you can also feel them on different levels. Uh, you know, you can use things like tuning forks to, you know, just see if you're feeling any kind of impedance. That's, you know, it's better if you can practice surgery and not just kind of get vague intuitive impulses, but you have to start somewhere. So uh, working with individuals, 
you can understand what's going on with them, not only by their ray chart analysis, but then seeing how that's playing out in the chakras. And each of these chakras now is going to have different hues, uh, you know, muddlements, you know, of different types. And then depending on what you're seeing, then you can use, you can get into the level of, you know, what some people call pranic healing, where you're now using a whole different palette of uh, colors and um, you know, understanding how to use those to uh, to cleanse, to re-energize, to sedate, and things that are appropriate in a proper sequence. Because if you're treating the chakras, you know, you don't want to go out of sequence because you can kind of screw up the, the the whole thing. But again, it all goes back to this resonance of color. And you know, the final comment with the, like Piscean age and that sort of thing, of course. Bear froze up. We'll let him bounce back in a second here. Matter. Uh, Bear, uh, go uh, back to where that, I lost you. Uh, the Piscean Age. Okay. So the Piscean Age, of course, we correlate that with the Kali Yuga that we understand through Ayurveda. And, um, and the only reason why I mentioned that is because, you know, people have different orientations, different levels of studies, and your studies are always, of course, going to be uh, predicated on what uh, you're attracted to, you know, because we all see things from different ways and certain things, you know, will hit home better for some of us. So it's not at all incongruous with any the, the systems uh, of understanding that have been on the planet forever, whether you're a, a Walter Russell guy, uh, you know, an Ayurvedic, or if you're looking at it more from uh, you know, waveform mechanics or uh, Walter or uh, Steiner, you know, who would look at the constellations that are going counter to each other simultaneously to create the thyroid. And, and then one level of constellations are going one way and then the other way. And people say, well, that doesn't make what well, does, you know, when you understand the whole grand scheme of things. And the fun thing is when you start studying all these things, but then especially put them to practical application, you realize everybody's talking about the same thing. And the great thing about the Ascended Master teachings is they from day one said, you know, the time of the occult, the time of making things difficult to understand for the average person is over. Everybody has to understand this on a basic resonant feeling level. So they put out the green books originally that were so simple that a child could understand. And interestingly, even Walter Russell said, you know, you're going to screw this up if you're too educated. You know, a child can understand waveform mechanics better than somebody that's trained in, you know, engineering or some sort. Mm. Such a deep, deep topic. We, uh, I've been wanting to de devote an entire alpha cast to the seven rays. Bear and I, you know, we've talked about this bear of doing that. I think we've covered a lot right now, but obviously we've just scratching the surface. Um, shout out to Will uh, in our community here. Um, uh, what does he go by again? The Akashic. Um, the Akashic investigator or no, no uh, oh no i don't want to butcher it because no, it's no it's, i love it uh i can look it up it's really good but he's uh. been he's been doing and he was at he's been at every music in sky uh he uh has been doing an amazing breakdown series on this specifically the seven rays and its relationship to walter russell black magic white magic alice bailey synod masters teaching theosophy uh, theosophy um and uh you know all of that and he does it in a way that's really fun it's 
I was saying it's a crime that he hasn't gotten more views on these videos, but he's a little ahead of his time, to be honest. Uh, he so. is. He is. Uh, I love him. He's awesome. Kashik Intelligence, I believe. Yeah, yeah okay. Uh, he is uh, ahead of his time, and I've been following him here, here recently. And uh, yeah. There, okay. Oh, yeah, and that's it. Is he's, uh, he's an art, you know, he's a, a real kind of professionally trained guy as an engineer. Mm -hmm. And so he's he's very grounded. Um, so uh, yeah, anybody, I'm trying to find it here. The original, I love it how he says it, the original AI, uh, Akashic intelligence. Is that that for sure? Well, I mean, that's what he's, that's like his, his call, his tag. Okay, um, good. I'll, I'll find a link and I'll drop it in the show notes and in the chat here, uh, because I really want to support him. He is really on point with everything. He was at our, he was at our law, uh, workshop and he's actually doing it. Yeah. He got his land patent. He's, he's starting his farm. He moved up here. That dude is living it. Uh, he's not just talking it and he's applying this. He's, he's a, he's a great living example of what we're talking about, uh, in terms of applying the science to your life and doing it in a way that's, um, actually effective and, and, uh, as a role model for his neighbors. So shout out to Will. Also, Eric Cassano did a really cool, um, workshop at music and sky about dreaming and lucid dreaming and a lot of the, it was interesting there a lot of the takeaway was the violet flame a, a lot of people were saying that they've been witnessing and and um, having uh interactions with the violet flame which of course relates back to uh these rays and into saint germain specifically but that makes a lot of sense for right now because the violet flame you can explain this a lot better than i really is the the what we need right now in the world and saint germain yeah being the, the the lord of the violet flame it is the ray of transmutation that's why um you know in our recent workshop with beth we just kind of focused on violet flame more because you know there's just when you get into the uh, all the colors now you can do surgery and really be quite versatile but you you have to know a little bit what you're doing but with just the violet ray uh you know it's amazing and when you're visualizing the violet ray um, you know, we emphasize that you don't project it yourself. You go to your higher electronic body, you put your attention there, and then you have that body uh, project it through your heart. And then that way, there's no misqualification that can be tainted by your human side uh, that could possibly do any harm to yourself or anybody else. And it's going to be, you know, way powerful. The last comment I would say is... Um, well, can I say something on the violet ray? Because sometimes yeah. I go to uh, farmers markets and there's someone with like a violet ray machine. Yeah, you seen those? What What's up with yeah, that? I, I used to have one. Um, I've built machines in the past. You know, multi-wave oscillators, violet ray. Uh, you know, the original Tesla coils, all those things. No. And actually, you know, early, early on, uh, you know, experimented a lot with medicine, and they definitely have it effects. But we just learned again how to do more precise things rather than think that one particular uh, modulation of a waveform or some particular force field is going to do the same thing to everybody or even be appropriated every single time. So, um, but, you know, the violet ray machine shouldn't be mistaken from the pure unadulterated resonance from the seventh ray. You know, it's, it's a, a lot different than that. And what I was about to say is when you get into all this stuff, just like when you get into alternative news, there's a lot of controlled opposition out there. So that's where the new agey stuff comes in. 
they want to get you into all the glamour and the spiritual pride and, and just the stuff that really isn't grounded as far in real science or, you know, in a way that you can actually make use of it. So everybody's just kind of, you know, doing peace, but, uh, you know, peace beads and Tinkerbell stuff and really not going anywhere. So, um, you know, be aware of that. So always go back to the authentic teachings. And then even when spiritual groups will malign certain schools of thought like theosophy or anthroposophy, um, you know, uh, or even masonry. Remember, all those things are grounded in truth. And then what the sinister force does is they take those truths, they invert them so that you really uh, don't have a chance of applying them in any meaningful way and also are led astray and controlled through them. Mm -hmm. So uh, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater all the time. But at the same time, don't just gullibly walk into things and think that everybody's true because... Uh, you know, they're couching it in some kind of, uh, you know, love language. Yeah. Discernment is key. Discernment's yeah. everything. That's why community is so important. You know, uh, having a, an elder class that has the wisdom to teach us is extremely, extremely important. That's why the Native Americans had it so right, because they had this oral tradition with the elders that were the leaders that would help uh, take the youth through uh, a sort of, uh, you know, um, uh, paces into adulthood right so that you could uh understand what real truth is but but through your own body through your own um sort of past path of right rites of passage and stuff which we i've said a lot on the show we don't have anymore and that's what music and sky tries to bring in some ways uh through the ice baths through the intentional meditation and stuff like that um but yes uh community is everything um and someone asking you know where where can we find more information about St. Germain's teachings? I Bear taught me this. Really, the only place is the uh, St. Germain Foundation, the Green Books. You know, there's the Lighthouse and Elizabeth Clare Prophet and those all that stuff that came after. From what my perspective is, that's not the true teaching. St. Germain even it's warned about that. It's all controlled out. Elizabeth yeah. is controlled out. And her, her uh, uh, late husband, Mark, she's gone now too, but... Um, he was a little more authentic, but they were just trying to do their own thing and be gurus. And the first thing they said in the teachings is that uh, this will never be outleted in any other way. And then they proved, at least to some of us, many of us that were around in the early days, um, you know, that it was authentic. It wasn't psychic channeling uh, in the least. And, uh, you know, there was plenty of phenomena to keep anybody convinced. But more important is uh, getting the results in your own life. And then understanding on the larger context of the hierarchy of intelligence, university intelligence in the seven rays, you understand that, you know, it is a real technological based system. And we are living technologies within that system that are the capacitors here on the ground that are supposed to bring in that resonance and to embody that resonance, you know, in physical form. That's what we're job our job is, but we also have the extra bonus that when we do that, um, we are now um, coming to a neutral point between the polarities and uh, no longer vulnerable to the polarity consciousness that keeps you here forever in the wheel of reincarnation. Mm. And that's what you call the ascension. And in uh, terms of waveform mechanics, we could even 
bring anybody to an understanding of what the ascension means on that level. So it's not some kind of mystical thing. Mm -hmm. And as you said, and masters say, it is in fact what we are all here to do. It's the only purpose why we're here. And um, here we are. And, and for those um, Christians listening that may be getting triggered by this, thinking this is sort of a woo-woo, mystical, new agey concept, um, one thing that I was really impressed upon by um, these teachings is that the Christ um, is firmly entrenched in the tradition of the Ascended Masters teaching in a way that makes more sense to me than the Bible um, and actually is more in line, you know, if you go deeper into Nag Hammadi and those texts that were outcast by the Romans, uh, the Gospel uh, of uh, Thomas, uh, and, and touching on Mary Magdalene, who's also part of this, right? Mary, um, they're all in there. And it's all, it all actually matches up perfectly with those books that were sent away by the Romans, which, you know, invert and, and dem demonize mm -hmm. and all that. So as a, as someone like a Marty Leeds or someone would probably would very much give the thumbs up. I don't know. I don't want to speak for Marty, but understanding the real concept of the Christ and Jesus and or Yeshua, whatever you want to whatever language you want to use the Christ consciousness of, of the ascended master of the man, Jesus was, he ascended. Right. And, and Steiner has a take on that as well, but I'm just, I'm just putting this out there for maybe some of the Christians listening that are thinking we're some sort of, you know, we're going against, you know, what their values are. Actually, if you look deeper, it's all in perfect alignment. And what I, um, highlighted in my talk with Beth Martins the other day, and I'd really encourage people to go check out her House of Free Will and all her uh, podcasts. She's doing an amazing job. She was just on Crow 777, so that would probably be- Oh, wow. Wait, Beth, yeah. Beth, Beth was? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cool. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go listen to that. But one thing I did mention in that, uh, since you brought the Bible up, is King James um, commissioned Francis Bacon- a.k.a. Shakespeare, a.k.a. St. Germain, who is the only intellect within his court that could, um, you know, really make good on King James' desire to edit the Bible greatly in order to make it uh, more possible for him to have greater commercial control over his subjects. Francis Bacon said, yes, I will do that. And he did. And he put nine levels of code in it. Uh, supercomputers have been able to decipher one level, and that is where, you know, the book, The Bible Code, that came out years ago, and it said, oh, that proves it, you know, God wrote the Bible. Well, he did, if you consider we're all God, or individualizations of that universal creator, but um, uh, that was where they were able to show that he predicted, you know, the assassination of uh, JFK and all of these different events, you know, it's just cool, but that's just a rudimentary level of the code. The real code was all of the scientific understanding of everything we're talking about as far as the physics of the ascension. And in fact, not just the ascension of uh, the fourth kingdom, which is mankind, but the ascension of all the different kingdoms. You know, minerals are constantly going through a transmutational cycle at the final stage where they become radioactive and you know that's essentially what we do through our bodies uh it's what the plant kingdom does in its own way 
everything is this constant cycling of transmutation and going up the octaves of consciousness, uh, we have, again, the extra ability that the other kingdoms don't, where we don't have to recycle back unless we choose to. And, so, the, and their uh, radioactivity is part yeah. of the life cycle because yeah. without it stops the stagnancy. And what I love about Walter is he explains that the inherent nature of uh, is to be uh, is actually to become one, to be connected. Actually, yeah. what what scientism says is that everything's exploding and separating, right? And it's entropy. But what Walter says is actually the inverse. Yeah. And so um, now he didn't <laughs> he didn't like the concept of ascended masters. Uh-huh. Uh, he had a different understanding. Of course, he was illumined on his own level, but he had his own blind spots, just like, you know, we all do, uh, even though he was very advanced. So the, the Bible is sacred and it does have a very special resonance to it. And this code with the true laws of nature and physics, uh, you know, is what gives it that resonance not to demean all the people that contributed amazing teachings and parables and insights into astrotheology, astrophysiology, you know, all those things contained in the Bible, the way most people read it just on the surface, uh, or even have the insights to decipher those uh, parables into a more concrete understanding of what they're really trying to teach us through those things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Brandon asked Godfrey Ray King as the author of the St. Germain books. Well, that was the Ballard and that was the pen name he took. And, um, but yes, that you're on the right path there. Those are the books. Um, we call them the green books. They're through the St. Germain foundation, um, unveiled mysteries. And, um, uh, what's the other magic one? presence, magic presence are, I want to, well, I don't want to like give it away because of plans, but they'd be amazing movies. I'll tell you that. Um, <laughs> That would be like that. And there are, um, you know, one one interesting comment, final, I know we got to wrap it up yeah. here, is uh, in those books, they introduce you to technologies for people that are of a certain state of advancement. Uh, they just call it the electronic accelerator that uh, will spin off the rest of your human creation when you're ready so that the full light can come in and, you know, and expedite the whole ascension process. However, um, you don't just jump into one of those things because if you weren't ready for it, the incoming light would literally fry your nervous system. And that is also why here, all of us go through our experience and it takes a little bit of um, you know, effort and also time to go through the sequential transmutational process. And so none of us should get discouraged if we see old issues recycling or bad habits surfacing, uh, you know, with a certain amount of awareness, you just do the practices rather than looking forward or back. And when you're ready, you, you'll be ready. So um, if, uh, if we think that we're going to get some spiritual practice, like, you know, visualizing the Merkaba and then we're going to magically ascend or something. No, it's about allowing enough light to come in and if that was so that you could do it quickly, you know, when you're not ready, uh, if you could figure out how to do that in the first place, you just fry yourself anyway. So it's a process. And like they say, it's the journey, not the destination. 
Beautiful. Yeah, we'll have to do more shows on this. Uh, there's a lot of uh, details in regards to you know, reincarnation, uh, the dispensations that happened in the 20th century to allow for the uh, the um, uh, an easier path, if you will, towards ascension, which was needed for the bridge to this, you know, uh, to the new to the new realm uh, and all that. It's very fascinating stuff. Uh, and as Bear says, it's empowering because it 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 allows us to see that we're each on our own hero's journey and that we each have a role to play and that we each came here to play that role. And we're all all super important. It's not just mass chaos and spinning balls and cause and effect and chaos. Right. It's like there's a specific hierarchy of thought and intention and intelligence and everything is a divinely ordered realm. And uh, the sky clock above, the waters below, they all interplay. And this is what alphabetics all about. That's why we talk about hermeticism, Gnosticism, ancient teachings, archaeology, Tartaria, uh, the functionality of the realm and how this relates to our bodies and health and wellness is a, is a Bottom great- Bottom line, everything yeah. we've been taught is wrong and nobody knows <laughs> anything. Um, Holda asked in the chat, you know, why would St. Germain participate and uh, controlling through the Bible. Well, uh, you have to understand that at that time, if uh, people like him got out with the unadulterated truth publicly, there'd be great consequences to pay for that. You know, just like right now, you know, maybe we get canceled off of Twitter or something, but the consequences were much more severe back then. And also it was these, I don't want to use the term secret societies, but within these private research uh, retreats, where you had the adepts like Saint Germain, they uh, their job was to preserve this knowledge and formalize it, and it's done in many different ways. And this was a way where the initiates who were aware of the code uh, had the understanding of the cipher, then they could get that information out in the open, uh, even though the masses that are reading the Bible aren't understanding it. And there were and still are very real inner retreats where they uh, understand the cipher, you know, they can decode it and just read the truth in plain sight. And uh, that's why St. Germain did that. And St. Germain and people like him also understood that uh, the folks that aren't ready for it um, and are not ready to throw off the shackles are just going to be where they're at until they're ready to make the move. So he wasn't in any way prepared. Rose again. Brilliant avenue to uh, preserve the truth and get it out for people that were ready. Uh, and also one more thing, just leave it at this. And, um, I, you know, there's been some St. Germain uh, discussions on, I believe, on um, Tinfoil Hat. They had someone on and they've had some stuff on Crow. But um, they do miss the boat on a few things there. But one thing that's kind of fascinating for the very skeptical mind is that there was a figure, Count St. Germain, who was the was if I understand this correctly, Bear was the sort of final embodiment of the ascended master, a Saint Germain, who went through all was lived all these other lives like Francis Bacon, like Plato, etc. And that historical figure was very fascinating. Was in the was in the um, uh, the French courts. Never was seen to eat. Had an amazing ability to play music like no other. Was very intelligent. Could hold conversations. Uh, came from nowhere and seemed to have lived for like 150 yeah. years. 
he put out amazing works too in the field of um, um, healthcare and understanding. You know, like he had, I have a manual, his original manual on palmistry. Now, palmistry is not uh, some kind of pseudoscience or somebody at the state fair, you know, that's going to read your palm and, you know, tell you about your, you know, romantic life or something. Palmistry is understanding that our palms, our hands have more connections with our upper motor neurons with the higher cerebral cortex than any other appendage in the body. So as the light comes in, it is going to go through that prism of all the recordings. And you know, the brain is just a recording device of all the electrical impulses of our experience. So it's going to pick up those imprints. And then because of the, the connection with the, the cerebral cortex and the hands, uh, though that electricity is going to be projected through the hands and leave maps of that experience. So, uh, you know, that's one of the things I took it upon myself early on through that source is to study palmistry. So when I take, uh, I never told people, but if I had a client, uh, you know, I would look at their hands because, it, it, you know, I say, what are you doing? And I say, well, you know, I'm looking at the shape of your fingers and palm and it gives me, uh, uh, you know, great indication of your dominant glands and your basic, you know, makeup from birth and which was all very true. But what I was really looking at even more diligently were all these maps because it told you a great deal about that person's experience of all their embodiments for all time and what the probability of their experience in present times was uh, most likely about. Mm. So St. Germain is, um, you know, has a very important role and uh, so did the Nazarene. I used to turn the Nazarene because, you know, people know that by different names and argue about yep. was her historical figure. And um, great book uh, to read is a messianic prophecy by the people that um, also uh, wrote what was the first book. Um, oh. uh, anyway, really good investigative journalist. And it would yep. tell you a lot about the true history. So probably a wrap up time. Yep. Yeah, uh, what a wonderful conversation. We definitely need to do more of these. I think people really enjoy them. It's great having guests on as well, but some it's just tough because so many amazing friends of ours uh, need to be heard as well and people we're connected with. Um, but I do love these in, in these chats we have. These in-house chats are amazing. Thank you all for being in the chat today. Thanks again for everybody who came out to Music and Sky, everybody supporting Alpha Vedic. You can go to alphavedic.com uh, to support us. You can join us on Telegram, t.me forward slash alphavedic, and you can join our current co-op on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash alphavedic. Uh, fun, we had, a, we had a meeting yesterday, and we're going to be um, bringing more merch back, which is exciting. So like this Illumina hat I'm wearing, Bryden Lando, uh, Bear's son, my dear friend, is one of the best designers in the world. And he uh, is going to put his creative talents into some new cool uh, alphavedic merch I'm really excited about. So we'll have some hoodies and some tees and hats coming your way. Uh, and as we launch the new platform on alphavedic.com, you'll be able to get uh, uh, the ac early access to those capsule collections. There'll be limited edition, cut, custom cut and sew is what we do. So we don't just buy a bunch of blanks from China or something. Uh, he's very much an artist like his father and myself. They're custom cut and sew in Los Angeles, California, and uh, are amazing. So uh, keep an eye out for that. 
And uh, yeah, uh, we have lots more bears. He can't stop tinkering. We'll have some products coming your way. Probably some of them are going to be just in the private, right, Bear? Just for the private community. Especially yeah, because I can't, I can't mass community, uh, you know, manufacture stuff. Um, we'll have some things that will um, move down to our Santa Barbara facility that I uh, built with my younger son down there because it's approved by the uh, Food and Death Administration. <laughs> and uh, up here we have in our new little uh, buildings that uh, are almost completely constructed now, uh, you know, we'll be able to do other things that will be available for members only. And then in this lab, and, you know, maybe someday I'll take you through pieces of equipment here and tell you how they work and why I have them. And, um, you know, in here, I'll actually be, you know, processing everything from rainwater to minerals to, you know, plants that we grow, uh, you know, into medicines that will be available in limited quality, uh, quantity to our, um, our preferred members. Beautiful. Okay, guys, I know we've been talking a lot about this membership but platform, but um, this is our sole focus. Music and Sky's over. Harvest is almost over. Still drying. Um, you know, what, once again, we're a small outfit and we're doing our best. So thanks for the grace and patience on that. It is a very, very important topic. And plus, there's a whole process behind the scenes of going into the private and turns the lawful side, uh, the you know, all the paperwork and everything. We're, you know, there's a lot. It's a lot to do it right. And we're doing it right. So uh, but thank you for your patience there. We love you all. We'll see you next week with George Wiseman. Uh, get your questions ready. I know a lot of people have questions. That's going to be a wonderful, wonderful chat. We hope to really elevate the George Wiseman discussion there because he's been on a lot of our favorite shows. So we'll do it the alpha, alpha Vedic way. And both you and my, I, my Michael should be there with our nasal canyons on during the whole thing. I've got it right behind me here. I was hinted yeah. earlier from After Music and Sky. I need to hit the hyd the Browns Gas Hardcore. Uh, and Bear, I, I would love to do the torch things. I don't know if you could do a live demo with the torch. Um, but I haven't put mine on yet. And one of the things I want to ask George about is I, I believe there's definitely a way to do deuterium depleted water, mm -hmm. um, you know, with his unit. But I uh, he's promising that there's going to be another little attachment to this modular system, which makes it so nice that will allow people to do deuterium depleted water along with the uh, Brown's gas. So that'll be an amazing uh, combination. Uh, but I, you know, I haven't uh, gone into the torch at all just because I, I want to know more about it and I want to talk to him about it. It's pretty wild when you're doing yeah. torching the gas, it won't heat up the metal and it's, there's all sorts of really fascinating elements to Brown's gas beyond just what the machine aquifer does. So yeah, it'll cut through like any kind of welding torch, but it's uh -huh. not hot. Yeah. Kind Mind of like the sun. The sun is not hot. Mind-boggling. Mind-boggling. Yeah. So I okay, can't man. wait for that talk. Thank you guys. Love you all. As I always say, get outside, get your feet in the dirt, go plant something, go for a hike. Mother Nature is our best teacher. Show her some love. We'll see you next week with George. And actually, as Brandon says here, a reminder to all our friends and family here, the universe is waiting for you to get off the couch. Just show up. Love that. Hey, guys. See you next time. Give us a like and follow. Share with your friends. Cheers.